This podcast would not be possible without the generous support of my patrons. I want to give a special shout out to Mary Thomas, Terry Smith, Bella Pori, John Munson, Dale Hozak, Andrew Goddard, Stephen Malio, Anna Lynn, Betsy Hodges, Holly Mack, Chris Bloom, Captain America, and Crystal Carroll. I appreciate you guys so much and thank you for the support. And if you want a shout out on the podcast, you can be a patron for as little as a dollar a month. Let me hear from you. All of high school, much of high school, really into the whole kind of singer-songwriter scene, James Taylor, Harry Chapin, and then the shift happened. The summer I was going into ninth grade, I went to youth group summer camp, and there was a guitar player who came in to sing to us, and he sang all the James Taylor, Crosby, Stills, and Nash kind of stuff but he also sang the Grateful Dead. And particularly he sang a song called Friend of the Devil. And I came home from that experience calling myself a deadhead. I listened to a lot of Grateful Dead all the way through high school, but never went to a show until college. I went to my first show. And it was there that I really found my tribe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. And Terry, can you tell me another story? Sure. I can tell you all the stories you want to hear, Jesse. What would you like to know? <laughs> so, my guest tonight is Terry, and that is her website. Her website is tellmeanotherstories.com. Uh, we, for all the horrible things people say about social media, the blessing of social media is I get to meet so many wonderful, not just Springsteen fans, but great people who join me on the podcast. That's how Terry and I've connected. So welcome to the show. So glad to be here. Tell us a little about yourself. Well, um, I will tell you this about me and social media, my My online community life goes back to before the World Wide Web. Oh, really? Yeah. I was part of an online community in based in New York City called Echo. Mm. I met my best friend to this day on Echo. And so uh, meeting strangers online is nothing new or weird for me. Welcome to the fold, Jesse. Um, so yes, so you say you're not new to the online community, but tell me a little bit more about yourself, Terry. Okay. So let's see. I grew up in Buffalo. I ended up in New York city where I met my husband, Andrew, after being together there for a bunch of years, we moved to a small town in Connecticut near Hartford. We have two kids Emily and Jonah. Emily is 24 and she is fully launched. Jonah is 20. He is a college student. Um, I am someone who always had jobs, but not exactly a career. Okay. Um, My previous iteration, I was teaching yoga and managing a yoga studio. And one day a student came in and she said, I did this thing over the weekend. I think you should check it out. She goes, I went on a blind date with this guy and we went to this show where people get up on stage and they tell true stories from their own lives. And she said, you always start class with a story from your life. And I think you should do this. So I checked it out. I took a workshop. I took another workshop, the yoga studio, and I parted ways. And my family was going to New York to see Hamilton for a Wednesday matinee. And we went in the night before because happening in the city was the moth. Um, 
which in case anybody listening doesn't know, The Moth also has a podcast. It's fantastic. And The Moth is the nation's premier true live storytelling organization. They run competitive events. And I showed up at this competitive event. I dropped my name in the hat. I told the story of my tattoo, which says, enjoy every sandwich. Um, You might be familiar with that phrase as uh, having come from the late, great Warren Zevon. It's kind of a way to say, enjoy every day, live every day to its fullest. Um, But it's also a story of the last time I saw my father. And I told that story at the Moth. I won. I went on to live uh, to win the next level competition. And after that, I decided to start my own business. So I launched Tell Me Another, which is a true live show here in the Hartford area. I offer online workshops. I do one-on-one coaching. Um, I tell stories on stage all the time, all because Jennifer went on a date with this guy. And the best part of the story is she never saw him again. My whole life changed because of somebody else's blind date. Have you run into him or ever seen and got to tell him thank you? I've never seen him, but she knows. She's been okay. to the show a few times. I have no idea even who he is. That uh, is hilarious. And I are still in touch on Facebook. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. That is great. I, I, I have always been told um, I... I did not have a career either, kind of wandered around, didn't really know what to do. And right around when I was 30, I stumbled into my first um, call center job, answering uh-huh. phone calls, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. and and turned out that I was kind of good at it. Yeah. And so then uh, started my first, like 87 was my first call center job. I joined a company in 89 stayed there till almost 2005, got another job, went to 2015, and then have been in my new job. I've been here a couple of years and all being a contact center manager. I worked my way up and, mm-hmm. and um, but I've been told by a couple of people that as well as being a manager, I'm a storyteller. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I love the idea of, you know, telling stories and sure. um, you know and that's that's all this podcast is is sure. me talking to people and hearing their stories and sure. sharing sure. so yeah that's that's great yeah so that's what I do professionally and I love it and I love getting to listen to other people in their stories and I love it when somebody who thinks they don't have a story to tell or thinks they're too afraid to tell it actually gets up on my stage and shines. That's, that's when it's the best. So Terry, I, you know, I'm in, before I found my passion of doing call centers, um, you know, I, I spent a year being a really bad insurance agent. I was just Mm -hmm. not good at it. But one of the things as an insurance agent, you're always prospecting. You're just constantly looking. So to a little bit as a podcast host, I'm always recruiting. I'm Mm -hmm. always like, hey, would you want to be on my podcast? Hey, do you want to tell me a story? And one of the things that frustrates me is I get an email back or a tweet back. I just don't have anything interesting to say, Jesse. And I go, no, I believe every Springsteen fan, or for that matter, every music fan has a story to share. So here's what you're going to tell them the next time, ready? Okay. The next time I'm ready. Sends you that email, you're going to say, I want you to think of your life as a music fan, as a blanket, a tapestry. And what we're going to do together is pull threads. I don't want you to tell me your whole tapestry. It's too much. I want you to think about one shiny, special little thread. And that's the one we're going to start pulling. I love that. Uh, I will tell you, you know, you mentioned how happy you were when you see someone. One of my favorite moments is, um, you know, you and I talked a little bit before we hit record and 
you know, I'll, I'll have someone joining me and they're, oh, I'm kind of nervous. I'm like, it's okay. And I usually give the preamptum, okay, you know, we're just going to talk. If we go mm-hmm. off on tangents, that's fine. Mm-hmm. And also understand, I don't do a lot of editing, but if you say something you wish you hadn't said, right, I will go back and cut it out. Like if you say, ooh, I wish I hadn't said something bad about my in-laws. And so then at the end of the podcast, you know, I'll hit stop. And I go, hey, did you have a good time? I totally forgot you're interviewing me. That was right. so much fun. Right. And that's exactly. when I go, yes, yes, that was exactly. great. Yeah. All right, Terry, start at the beginning. Always like to start at the beginning. Okay. Growing up, Buffalo, Growing up. There, what kind of music did your family listen to? So my family did not listen to music. Okay. Okay. My parents were married in 1963 and the entire sort of, rock revolution just sailed right by them. Okay. Had what was then called a hi-fi. It was like a long, low cabinet that opened up and it had a turntable inside. Absolutely. Yep. Children were not permitted to touch it without permission. We had very few albums. There were a few by a woman named Connie Francis there were there were a few by I think he was a saxophone player named Boots Randolph. Okay, um, sure. I can sing the Yellow Rose of Texas. Actually. Nice. Mm-hmm. And that was about it. And then there were like Sesame Street and Mister Rogers albums that were for Lisa and me. When I got to middle school, disco was a thing. The very first album I remember receiving, funny enough, for my Bruce podcast was a Glenn Campbell album, Rhinestone Cowboy. Nice. Yeah, I loved that. Um, I listened to them on this little portable thing in my room. Um, Next up, I think, was James Taylor's JT. And that was by then I was in eighth or ninth grade. And that was kind of a turning point for me. And I spent all of high school, much of high school, really into the whole kind of singer-songwriter scene, James Taylor, Harry Chapin. And then the shift happened. The summer I was going into ninth grade, I went to youth group summer camp and there was a guitar player who came in to sing to us. And he sang all the James Taylor, Crosby, Stills, and Nash kind of stuff. But he also sang The Grateful Dead. And particularly, he sang a song called Friend of the Devil. And I came home from that experience calling myself a deadhead. I listened to a lot of Grateful Dead all the way through high school, but never went to a show until college. I went to my first show. And it was there that I really found my tribe. It was at these dead shows that I learned that there were people living the values that I felt so deep in my core ideas about community, about communal communality. I learned to share at dead shows. You know, there's a, there's a great line in a song called Jack Straw that says we can share what we got of yours because we done shared all of mine. And I learned to live like that at dead shows. But I moved to New York. I married Andrew. I was still going to shows right and left. And then in 1995, we all took a big blow when Jerry died. And for a long time, I was kind of rudderless in the music Mm -hmm. world. I didn't, I went to a couple of the further shows and stuff. It wasn't quite what I was looking for. My husband all this time was a Springsteen fan. Now. So hang on. I want to stop, just interrupt you one thing, because you, you, you gave me a curve and I love it. Um, I was all set to tell you that if you grew up in the East Coast, yeah, you can make pretty good odds yeah. that you found Bruce either 
because a roommate at a summer camp brought yeah. an album yeah. or a counselor nope. played out Bruce on an album. I mean, no, 30, 40, 30, 40% of my guests who yeah, grew up in the East that. coast. Right. And so I was like, uh, I was about to check off like, Oh, Terry's going to be another one of those. <laughs> and instead we got the dead and I yeah. could not be happier yeah. that yeah. I love that. That is such a great not twist. Only, yeah. Not only was I a deadhead, I was sort of anti Springsteen. Okay. I, now, didn't, please, I yeah. didn't know. I didn't know the music except for a couple of big hits. But I went to college at SUNY Binghamton where two thirds of everybody were from Long Island. Okay. And that was where I first kind of heard anything other than maybe Thunder Road. And I was very busy wearing tie dye and I just sort of got it in my head that this was not for me. This was for people from New York and Long Island and New Jersey, this was for boys. Like I just did not see how this fit me, a girl from Buffalo. And I turned away from it and I stuck with my dead head and my dead head friends and all that. Okay. I love this story. Yeah. But now to go back, you said okay. your husband, on the other hand, had kind of sort of been, you guys had a little bit of a mixed marriage, right? He was exactly seeing Bruce, so. He was seeing Bruce on the side. He was like, seeing Bruce on the side. Okay. It was more like an open marriage because he knew I had my whole deadhead thing going yes. on. I went to a show in between my wedding and our honeymoon. I was at Madison Square Garden for a dead show. That yes. is awesome. I was very serious about this. Um, I still am. Like, I'll go see Dead and Company this summer. Okay. So I'm kind of lost in the music world. Nothing much going on. And the rising drops. And I get a copy on CD from my local public library. And I start for the first time really listening. And... I really dig it. And I get Andrew tickets. It's his gift to go to Rentschler Field up in Hartford on the Rising Tour. And it's my first show, right? And we have seats on the floor. They're awesome. And about 15 minutes in, I realize that This is it for me. I have found what I'm missing. Here is a tribe just waiting for me. And and I got to tell you, like by this time, so at this point, I'm probably, I don't know, it's what what year is the rising tour? It's 2002. Okay. So I have been at this point in my life to so many shows from so many people. I lived in New York for so many years. I've seen just about everybody I would ever want to see. And I had never seen anyone bring it that hard for that long in my life. And I just wanted more. And so since then, you know, it's... um. It's funny, Jesse, I'll tell you, I was driving today mm-hmm. and they were playing on uh, on E Street Radio. They were playing one of the shows from Mohegan Sun, which is like in my backyard. Right. And when I was driving, it was at the end, it was 10th Avenue freeze out. And then it was shout. And then Bruce is introducing the band. And um, and, and he, he goes through the whole band and then we get to, you know, I want you to go home and wake up your neighbors and get them out of their bed in their pajamas. And I want you to tell them and I'm driving and I'm so choked up. This happens to me a lot at that moment in the show when I'm listening to the recordings and we get to the roll call and we get to the audience yelling E Street Band. I cry a little because um, I want it so bad we all do we do so um what is what i find wonderful is i was a casual springsteen fan certainly remember buying the river and 
I've told this story many times on the podcast. One of my wife's oldest friends went to school on the East Coast. She came back in 1980 talking about this guy, Bruce Springsteen. Um, you know, then Hungry Heart happened. And then like everyone else, I bought Born in the USA and mm-hmm. Tunnel of Love. And I bought the box set. But then kind of we had our first child in 89, our only child, mm-hmm. kind of moved on, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, the rising drops, and mm-hmm. I remember them that that Friday night, you know, it telethon, that fundraiser, mm-hmm. and it opens mm-hmm. with you know the E Street Band singing "My City of Run," mm-hmm. and I went, "Oh, wow, mm-hmm. that's something special." Mm-hmm. And so for various reasons, I had never seen Bruce perform live, partly because I grew up in Louisiana, partly because, you know, uh, we didn't move to Dallas till 86. So I wasn't seeing then the reunion tour, something was going on. I couldn't go. So 2002, he's coming and I'm like, I'm going to see Bruce Springsteen. I've always wanted to see Bruce Springsteen. I'm going to see Bruce Springsteen. And so we have seats and they are at the very top mm-hmm. of the, you know, arena. Mm-hmm. And like Linda and two of our best friends are going with this. Linda said, you want something to drink? I go, no, no. Cause I, I don't want to have to go to the bathroom. Right, 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 right. And so I knew hardly any of the songs, right. Because I had not done my homework. I had not listened to the rising over and over again. Right. Um, you know, got jungle land and, you know, I, didn't know any, I just hardly knew anything. And what I tell people is it was like I'd sat in the middle of a movie and I could tell it was a really good movie, but I just didn't understand exactly what was happening. But I knew that something good was happening. And this was a movie I was going to love Mm -hmm. if I could just understand it. I totally understand what you're saying. Right. And and so I, and so I, I make the joke often that I think there's two kinds of people, someone who goes to their first Bruce show and go, wow, that was long. And then the second was is, oh my God, when can I do this again? Right. Right. So tomorrow, cause tomorrow I'm doing it. I'm ready to do it again right right. now. Uh And so, so when devils and dust came out, I played that CD constantly, constantly, constantly. Not my favorite, but no, no, I get it. But I'm saying it will always have a special place in my heart because I played it over and over again. And that was my second show. Yep. And I'm sitting there and I knew the songs. Yeah. Because I had done my homework. Yeah. And uh, so and. And exactly that that sense of, you know, I had a guest who said he's an he's an atheist and he said the only church I worship to is the church of Springsteen. Yep. And what's nice about it is he doesn't ask for tithings. He doesn't ask for offerings. He says just every once in a while he he invites me to a show and I I give my donation the terms of ticket and I join the rest of the congregation and my spirit is uplifted. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking actually today while I was driving and listening to all this, I was thinking about, and and I am also not a particularly religious person, but I was thinking about the notion of Bruce as having been kind of touched by God and how through him every once in a while, the same happens to all of us. Yes. Um, I think in another life, he is a Southern preacher somewhere, maybe. right? Yeah, maybe. Um, and, you know, this is your sword is one of my, you know, I know a lot of people, High Hopes was not high on a lot of people, but I love that song. This is your sword. I, I love yeah, the yeah. ideality of that. Yeah. And, um, you know, so when I was lucky enough to meet him at a book signing, I had my five seconds, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I told him that I had been unemployed for nine months and I listened to better days and land of hope and dreams every day to keep Mm -hmm. my faith. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. don't know if he heard me, but I've said this a thousand times, Terry, 
and as a storyteller, you know this, you need to, I needed to say it more sure. than I needed him to hear it. Sure. Sure. Right. hundred percent. You don't think I have wasted hours of my life imagining the moment I run into Bruce on the city, on the streets of New York city and what yes. do I say? Yes. You know, of course. Oh, you don't think I've said like, people like, oh, wouldn't you love to have Bruce on your podcast? Yes, duh. Yeah. But you no, know, I don't I don't even need that yeah. long. I, I yeah. don't even need that long. I have I have a give and an ask. The give yes. is thank you. Yes. And the ask is if you'll write the words, I will wear them on my body for the rest <laughs> of my life. They'll be done by the time I go to bed. And what, what words would you ask him to write on you? It ain't no sin to be glad you're alive. Amen. Amen. That's that it. is awesome. All right. So back to okay. you have, you've had your road to Damascus moment. I have. You know, it is your eyes have woken up. Um, what's next? What happens next? Uh, next is, next is, you know, all the shows I can make my way to. Um, I go, gosh, I go with my sister in Maryland to, in DC to the show, uh, Obama's in the audience. The Rahm Emanuel is sitting, Lisa knew someone who worked in the box office. So Rahm Emanuel's in the next section over and, um, Somebody holds up one of the signs says Obama called. He wants to hear Rosie and it's got a big O for Obama in the middle. And somebody holds up a sign that says Hava Nagila. And the band breaks into Hava Nagila at that show for just a minute. Um, show, show in Hartford that opens with Wild Thing. That was the first time I saw at those Rentschler Field shows, if there were sign requests, I don't remember it. Right. Um, that that Hartford show was the first show on the tour. It must have been. I don't think it was the high. It, I think it was the magic tour and it was the yeah. first show on the tour. And somebody had written wild thing on a napkin from like right. the, the nacho stand, you know, yeah. and that was the first time I saw the band, you know, playing to the signs. And that was really something for me, you know, in a, in a lifetime of concert going, my favorite moment is not the deep cuts, which is always somebody, you know, I know that's other people's favorite moment. Right. My favorite moment is when the band pulls out some crazy cover that you did not see coming. Um, and you know, every word to that song, cause who doesn't, you know, it's that kind of cover. So back in 2012, um, they were about to go on the high hopes tour. Mm -hmm. And before that they announced that the NCAA tournament was happening in Dallas at mm -hmm. Jerry world mm -hmm. and they were going to do a free show. Yep. And so I I'm there. And, um, and you know, it, it's, it's, it's a little cold and it's a little misty mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, uh, Bruce talked about, he says, this is good weather to play in. Mm -hmm. He said, it may not be a good weather to be in an audience, but this is right, good right, right. weather for us to play, you know, and they're all in scarves and everything and we're waiting and there'd been a full range. Pat Green had played and Pat Green, who's a, Texas musician it's like I'm opening for Bruce Springsteen yes and he's just ecstatic and you hear sweet Georgia Brown and uh -huh. you're like oh that's clever yeah it's the tournament and you know and and it's very it's online you you saw it I mean you know him and Niels do a jump ball and the band goes into jump crazy and, right and I and I had my phone and I went to my Twitter app and I said who had jump on the list of the band's opening song and hit it and people like Springsteen busting brackets because yep. you know it's the NCAA yeah. tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that is one of my highlights. Of just, course it is. It, just it's like 
who would have had that? And they kill it. It's a great version. Of course it is. All right, so I'll give you one. We went, Please. we were in Albany in mm-hmm. 2014. Now, yeah. before the tour comes back, they're on the whole Southern Hemisphere tour. And we are all watching the set lists like crazy. Because those are the shows that are all opening with local covers. That's right. when he does, that's when he does Royals. That's when he does free Nelson Mandela. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's when he does staying alive in Brisbane. Now you got to know Saturday night fever is one of my top five all time favorite movies. Sure. Okay? I love it. And I see, I'm watching this, this, uh, I'm watching this staying alive video on the internet, like crazy. That was also, that was also the leg of the tour where he has the kid up on stage to do growing up. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? That's so fantastic. Right. Um, <laughs> that's another little niche thing. If you are a person who really likes to watch videos on YouTube, where the band calls someone up out of the audience, not just the E street band, any band. Yeah. And then the audience member just kills it. Yeah. Right. I love those. So I'm watching all this. So we go to Albany and somebody holds up the sign first that show. No, wait, first that show opens with don't change the in excess song, which right. was my sister's total. She's a big new waiver. And I have never seen that girl more excited at a show than she was for that. And then later in the sign requests come staying alive. And I thought I was just going to fall over. That was a peak peak moment for me so i i have an other side of that story i had a a guy on the phone or on the podcast about a year and a half ago who does a bg's podcast and he he is a massive bg's fan yeah in fact he and i bonded because he i um i'd had someone on who loves leonard cohen and she mm-hmm. brought up the fact she goes, Leonard Cohen and Bruce Springsteen have the share that their most famous songs are their most misunderstood song. Mm, Hallelujah. Yeah. And born in the USA. Right. Yeah. So this guy is talking about the Bee Gees and he said, um, I said, I bet you, I said, when someone tells me, I don't like Bruce Springsteen's music. My first question is, have you listened to anything besides Born in the USA? That CD. And he says, yes. I say, have you listened to anything besides Saturday Night Fever? About the Bee Gees, right? Right, right, right. Sure. So I'm telling him how much I loved Bruce's version of, you know, Staying Alive. Um, He and I had a great time. He sent me 10 songs that are obscure BG songs for me to enjoy. I sent him 10 Bruce songs and we did a back and forth kind of do a podcast. But anyway, he tells the story. He's only ever seen the BGs once and Mm. he's never seen the BGs. It was Barry Gibb by himself. Yeah. So he says, I'm there. He says, I am, this is my life. I have loved this. Here it is. And he does. I'm on fire and I'm going, Because Barry Gibbs said a few days ago, Bruce Springsteen did Staying Alive. I was so wow. honored. I'm going to do I'm on Fire and out of them. And That's he a goes, good choice for Barry Gibbs. Yeah, it was. It was a great. But my friend goes, it was a great cover. But this is my only chance to see you live. And you're giving me a well, cover. There were a lot of people after that Albany show on yeah. the boards. There were a yeah. lot of people who were not happy because there were so many covers. There was yeah. a lot of, you know, I don't go to a Bruce. I go to a Bruce Springsteen show to hear Bruce Springsteen songs. My feeling is I just go to hear the band play. So, yeah. oh, there was a there was a couple of guys who were really young and uh, that were doing a podcast for a while. And they made the joke that the E Street Band should just tour being a covers band. He just, they should just do a whole tour of nothing but covers. There was a great quote. Nils was quoted in the Washington Post. He said, and this is already a long time ago. He said, 
between us all on stage, you're looking at a hundred years of bar band experience. We can right. play it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, I, if they ever released like a covers live album, oh, I would I, have that thing downloaded. So oh, fast. me too. I, That's you know, the- because they've done a little bit of that, you know, like in Spotify or playlists, but absolutely. If they did like, if I would, I would love that. I would love that so much. Um, I right, always wait, like, so wait, 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 I'm going to ask yeah. you a question about the sure. covers. I'll interview you for a second. Please. Anytime. So my, my sign requests, if I were going to yeah. make sign requests, I'm down to two, okay. both of which are covers. I'll tell you mine in a minute, but if okay. you were going to make a sign request and it had a cover on it, what would it be? Easy. I've talked about this all the time. I grew up my, my, I was born in Louisiana and by when once my dad retired from army and my mom and dad divorced, I moved to Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, we stay, that's where my wife is uh, from. Uh, my mom still lives in Louisiana, but Linda and I both went to McNeese State University. She graduated, I dropped out, but Jolie Blanc is oh, the McNeese State yeah. cover, yeah, fight yeah, song. It's a good one. Yeah, and so absolutely, if, if, when you ask, like, I'm going to ask you later, what are songs you're still chasing? Okay. Jolie Blanc is def- top five of the songs that yeah, I would just lose my blank. If at a show he started playing that, I would just go crazy. Yeah, that's a good one. I like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, he would never do this, but um, early in his career, he did um, When I Grow Up to Be a Man, the Beach Boy song. Uh-huh. And you can find just the audio much like you were a grateful dead fan first. Yep. I was a Brian Wilson beach boy fan fanatic yep. and still incredibly yep. passionate yep. before I moved to Bruce. So any girls in my summer clothes, I feel like is his version of a beach boy song. I love that one. Yes. Yeah. So what, you, what are the two? Seen, there's a website that I can't think of the name of it. Yeah. And she's logged every cover ever mm-hmm. yeah yes i did use that i can't right. think of what it's called but it's amazing yeah, it um, is. yeah. what are my two you were gonna ask yes me. So please one one is because of my tattoo which says enjoy every sandwich so one is werewolves of london because oh, i want to howl fun. with everybody yeah. and the other is the song that i would like to hear any band cover i think it's the most coverable song in the history of rock and roll and that's watchtower okay Nice. I, I get that. That'd be good. There is, there is a great, um, you can see it on YouTube. There's a version with Bruce and Neil Young and it's completely just insane. It's so good. I was at the Nashville show where they did uh, Satisfaction and Burning Love. Nice. And nice. Those, I, love, was... I love Burning Love. Yes. Yeah. And so um, I, I would, uh, Suspicious Mind would be another good one. I've heard him in 100%. a, I've heard him when it's a group of them doing it, but that would be a fun, that would 100%. be a fun song. percent. Yeah. I always like to preface this with the amount of shows you've seen is not a fair barometer of your fandom, but <laughs> do you track? And if so, how many? You know, I lost track along the way. Yeah. More than a dozen, less than a hundred. I don't mm-hmm. know. How about Grateful Dead? 50, I don't know. And then do you count Dead and Company? I don't know, you know? Yeah. And do you get do you get bonus stars if like you flew to California to do it? I don't know. It's yeah. it's it's the years, not the numbers to me. Yes, yeah, um, I get that. I do have somewhere in my house, I have a box full of ticket stubs. One of the things that bums me out these days is no more ticket stubs. No, you don't. I, I know, but I have ticket stubs that go back to like 1980, my first concert, Chicago. You know, I have a whole box and then they just disappeared. Chicago is tour, whatever is remaining of Chicago is touring with Brian Wilson this summer and I may go see them. um, I am not going to see them, but I am going, I think this summer, my girlfriend and I were talking about taking a trip and we were trying to figure out where we want to go and what yeah. we want to see. And she said, is there a concert you'd like to go to or a venue? And I thought for a minute and I said, there is one venue on my bucket list. There is one venue above 
all others where I've never been and I want to go. I said, I would like to see Red Rocks before I die. Yeah, that's a great, that would be a great thing. Have you ever been? No, I haven't. I would love to see that. I think this summer we're taking a trip to Red Rocks. Oh, that's good. Um, But I think that Chicago was midweek. But I will just tell you this before we move on about Chicago and my first concert. So Chicago was my first favorite band. Right. And I think there is a direct through line from how much I love Chicago to how much I love the band when it has a full horn and string section. I want you to jam as many musicians on the stage as you can and make as much noise as you can. And I want you to do it in one of those crappy old cinder block arenas where the noise just bounces all around. That's how I like it best. When I first started doing the podcast four or five years ago, one of the questions I would ask is, and it kind of, you know, things change in and out. But back then I would ask, what's your preferred? Do you want the E Street Band Orchestra? You know, the, the you know, the, the band on steroids, you know, mm-hmm. when we had like the wrecking ball tour mm-hmm. where, you know, mm-hmm. or do you want just the core band, you know, and a lot of people core band and I'm like, no, give me that orchestra. I, I want, want the whole, yes. I want the whole deal. I want the band that plays on the clip from Leipzig where they're playing. You never can tell. Right. Do you know that? But that's, that's how I like yeah. it. Only not outside. Now I want you to pack that whole band into like a, a little rock pile. I Absolutely. want it as noisy as you can make it. One thing I thought was odd is I, you know, I bought the no nukes DVD, you know, the, the film. And yeah. I'm like, it, they look so, there's so few people on stage yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. you know, because we're now used to, we have yep. little Steven and Niels, you know, yep. and, and yep. we have Susie, yep. you know, and it, back then it's like, no, it, it just, it looks so much fewer people on stage. Yep. 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 Yeah. That's great. Um, so Terry, I heard you were on Jeopardy. Talk to me a little bit about that. Okay. Beep, changing subject. <laughs> I appeared on Jeopardy on January 6th. I played Amy Schneider. Uh, I came close. For the first time in a long time, the day I was on, Final Jeopardy actually mattered. She didn't have it all sewn up by the time we got to uh, Final Jeopardy. But in the end, I could not quite pull it out. And I went home, not a winner, which was Uh, a bummer. But the whole experience was pretty amazing. I I told you this. We did it earlier. (laughs) Turns out two people... Like one of the guys who had been on the podcast reached out to me and says, Hey, you don't know this, but when I was on Jeopardy, the other person running against me, and I can't remember, this was one of the previous champs, like I'm drawing a blank on his name, but it was one of the guys who had a long streak, but the other person, that was probably Matt or Jonathan. Yeah. I think it was Matt. So Paula, was from Tulsa and she was a huge Bruce Springsteen fan and mm-hmm. they talked about they had both listened to my podcast that's so awesome. so I had them both join me oh, on the podcast cool. and we talked about their experiences and, cool. and how much fun they had so yeah that's great um what was the final jeopardy final jeopardy category was historic buildings I'll ask you the question see if you know okay Built in 1070 from stones imported from Khan, this building was meant to both dominate a skyline and the hearts and minds of a conquered populace. I would have guessed some kind of Egyptian pyramid. That's the only thing I could think. Yeah, I said Buckingham Palace, but the answer was Tower of London. Oh, okay. Apparently the key to that question is 1070. And if you know, the Norman invasion happened in 1066, but I didn't because all my English royal studying started with the Tudors. Okay. Very nice. Alas. But you got to be on there and it's. But I got to be on and it was pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, 
No, I will say, by the way, no Springsteen questions on my episode, but it comes up a lot. It was just last week. Somebody in the writer's room has to be a fan. Yeah, I I, I would love that. And, you know, um, I've never been able to con- to find the right person and connect. But uh, the CD, the, the, the CW show Arrow for mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. all seven seasons, the second to last episode was always named after a Springsteen song. Yeah. And so I've always said I would love to just get anyone in that. Who's in that writer's room? That's the fan. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Talk to me more about your I hate to call this, but you're you're a professional storyteller. Talk to me about what what are some things that you find you're able to help people do? Talk to me a little bit about this. I'm fascinated by this. So. Some of the things I'm able to help people do is, first of all, figure out what's a story in their lives that's worth crafting and presenting well. That needs to be a story where something something mattered. And by the end of the experience, something had changed. And that does not have to be a big, big thing like when the story started, I was single. And when the story ended, I was engaged. It might be when the story started, might be when the story starts. I'm not really sure whether or not I want to break up with my boyfriend. And when the story is over, I decide I'll give it another try. We don't have to go all the way to, and we lived happily ever after. It just has to be a small moment where something interesting goes on. And then we just talk from there about making it better. I always encourage people, if you're going to try telling a story in front of others, start with that story you've been telling already for a long, long time and just tell it better. Who comes to you? What, who are your clients? Um, The people who come to me very often start as audience members or as online library participants, because I do a lot of workshops for libraries. And then they just reach out to me and say, you know, I'd like to tell a story for you on stage, or I'd like to host a storytelling show online as a fundraiser for an organization I work with. But it usually starts because they've heard a story or heard me tell a story and thought it was really interesting. And from there went on a deeper dive. Hmm. What do you, is there common things that get in people's way of, of expressing themselves, of telling their own truth, their own story? Well, that's a good question. Let me think about that for a minute. The first thing that gets in people's way, I think, is this idea that nothing interesting has ever happened to me, Um, which if you were to go to my website and listen to some of the things that I tell stories about, you would see is patently false. Um, I just recently told a story about, um, I told a story about visiting my daughter at her job at Disney World in August, and it was so hot that I literally thought I was going to die. Um, I, I thought there was a possibility I was just going to lie down and never get up again. That's not a big moment. That's not like I foiled a bank robbery. Right. You know? And the other thing that happens is people are afraid of public speaking. And to that, I would say, look, I don't quite relate. I, as I like to say it, I was born in the front row with my hand in the air, you know, but I understand that it's a problem for other people. And I would say practice and preparation will get you far. Nobody gets up at a storytelling show and wings it. You know, it's not, look, I can come and do your podcast. I looked at the questions. I thought about some stuff, but I am a professional public speaker. I can get up and wing it. If you're not sure that you can do that, Look at the questions Jesse's going to ask ahead of time and think about what you want to say. Talk about it to yourself in the shower. Practice. You know, every once in a while, I'll get someone 
who will, do you want the answers now? I'm like, no, no, no. This is just, I, I want to give you a kind of right. rough agenda of sure. what we're going to talk about. And sure. um, every once in a while, I, I, and I love my guests who do this, all of a sudden I will get an email back and they've answered every question, right? And I'm like, and I will tell them before we hit record, I said, I've not read your email. I said, I'm not as bad as Larry King going, I know nothing about you. I, you know, right, but right, I, I said, right. but I don't want to, I want to hear the story spontaneous. Right. So, yeah. So do you want, do you want me to tell you like a Springsteen story? Of course. I'd love it. Okay. So I have not really prepped this, but I've thought about this one because I want to tell it on stage one day. Okay. It's 2016 and I'm sitting at home working because I work from home. And my daughter who lives in Boston, Emily, she calls me and she says, you know, Springsteen trip tickets dropped today, right? And I gasped because I can't imagine how I didn't know. But I look online and a small miracle happens. The tickets for the Gillette show that's going to close the river tour, the tickets are available. And not only are tickets available, but 15th row floor seats are available hours after the tickets went on sale. I can't imagine why they're there, but I know enough to put them in my cart and check out as soon as I can. And I have a pair of tickets to this amazing show. My girlfriend who lives across the street, Karen, she doesn't want to go. And my sister, Lisa, she doesn't want to go. And I ask my son, Jonah, he's 14. Would you like to go to the show with me? Jonah went with me to the river tour in Hartford, but didn't really like it because it wasn't so much a greatest hits show, right? At the whole river album is a long album, but he agrees to go. He's a freshman in high school. And the day of the show, I pick him up straight from school and we drive up to Gillette. We have sandwiches in the car. We park, we walk to the stadium and we make our way to these seats which are better than any we've ever had for a show before. I know that Jonah has made a wish. Jonah's favorite Springsteen song is Jungle Land. And what I know that Jonah doesn't know is that it hasn't been played in like two weeks. I have been watching the set lists obsessively, wondering if Jonah's gonna get his wish. The show opens. And we listen to a whole bunch of really great stuff. Jonah needs some water and we make our way back to the kiosk. The band is playing Kitty's Back and I know that Rosalita is going to come next. Sure enough, it does. And Jonah and I make our way. We're, we're making our way back to our seats, but we come to this area in the middle of the stadium, kind of near the soundboard where things are a little less crowded. And Jonah looks at me and he says, can we stay here for a little while and dance? And I say, oh yes, my boy, we certainly can. And shortly after that, the band breaks into promised land. And I look at my son and I watch him, this 14-year-old boy singing out loud, I ain't a boy, no, I'm a man. And I see where we're headed. I know that his adulthood is so close, he can touch it. But we're not quite there yet. We go back to our seats. Soon, the stadium gets real quiet. And we hear Roy play the opening notes to Jungle Land and Jonah's arms and everybody in the stadium, our 60,000 new best friends raise their arms in the air. So happy to have caught this great song before the tour is over. Finally, Born to Run and the encores. Right before Bobby Jean, Jonah says, I'm tired. Can we leave? And I say, no, love, we can't. We stay until the show is over. And finally, we make our way back to the car. It takes a long time to get out of the parking lot. And Jonah is sound asleep by the time we drive away. And I look over at this boy who's been listening to this music with me just about his whole life. This boy who's ready to be a man, 
but is also still a little boy who shared this night with me. And I am just so glad that I brought him. So first off, you just gave me my introduction. I just made a note. I'm going to take that and I'm going to put that at the beginning of the show. Okay. So uh, thank you. I, 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 you know, I make notes and I was going to talk the Grateful Dead as your introduction, but that was so beautiful. How old was Jonah? Jonah was 14. He's 20 now. That's great. <clears throat> so I will probably cut this two things. I, I will probably cut this. How are you on time? Are you good on time? Uh, yeah. What time is it? Oh my gosh. We've been at this while. Yeah. We'll go a little longer and then we'll okay. wrap up. Okay. Okay. We well, got a Mary question. Yet. Yes. I, well, what I want is um, you remind me of my story that mm-hmm. I kind of gave you the ending, but um, Bruce's touring with the book signing. Yeah. And he's coming where nowhere close to Dallas. Yeah. And then they announce a second round and he's going to be in Austin, Texas. Right. And he's going to be in Austin, Texas, like the first part of December. And I had just started a new job. I had started a job like the first part of November. And I go, can I ask a brand new company? Can I take a day off to drive to Austin to stand in line to not even get see him sign the book but to take a picture with him and then pick up a signed book and so when the tickets drop i buy one and i go it's only 25 dollars. if i can't use that i can't use it and i'm trying to figure out my courage at this new job we had a massive amounts of openings terry we had like five people i needed to hire and so the friday after thanksgiving I reached out to people who had interviewed and I said, hey, if you're not going out of town, I'll be in the office on Friday. Even though we're closed, let's interview. And so I did. I interviewed for like six hours on the Friday after Thanksgiving. So that Monday after the holiday weekend, I'm talking to my boo boss and he said, how was your weekend? I said, oh, pretty good. I said, I interviewed people on Friday. I've got four or five pretty good candidates. He said, you worked on a holiday? Yeah. He said, well, you know, if there's a day we can give you off <laughs> to no, make up for that. I said, well, now that you mention it. And so I explained to him and he goes, Oh yeah, you've got to go. You've got to go. So the day of the book signing, I wake up early, I get in my car and I'm driving. Now, Terry, I do not know if you've ever seen the Godfather. There's a good chance you've seen that movie. All the time. So which yes. part? At the very beginning of the movie, Luca Braxa is outside the study practicing what Mm -hmm. he's going to say Mm -hmm. to the Don. And may it be a masculine child. Yes. That is me driving all the way to Austin. What am I going to say to Bruce? What am I going to say to Bruce? Over and over again. Bruce, I was unemployed for nine months last year. I listened to Better Days and Land of Hope and Dreams every day to keep my spirit up. Thank you for that. I said that over and over and over again, all the way to Austin. Get there in line. I say it to him. Um, we get two pictures. I walk off and I say, I am so happy. You know, I did that. Uh, then driving home. So that's my Springsteen that's story. Great. Yeah, I love that. That's All right. Great. I end every episode with the Mary question. I could talk to you another two hours. Um, Jay Armstrong is an honors English teacher. He is, um, he recently retired and he would spend every, his senior year, his honors English students studying Thunder Road, breaking apart Thunder Road. And at the end of the two days, he asked the question, does Mary get in the car? Terry, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car? So it's a yes, but. Okay. Okay. Yes, of course, Mary gets in the car because Bruce has invited her and many of us would follow Bruce just about anywhere. That said, the key line to me in Thunder Road, right? The line that everybody sings at every show, you ain't a beauty, but hey, you're all right. I feel like 
it's a line that young Bruce would have written, but it's not a line that the mature Bruce that I know and love would write. I know that we all like to think about it being about all of us, but it's not really about all of us. And it's not really how we want the people who love us to see us. We don't want the people who love us to see us and say, well, you're not a beauty, but you're all right. We want the people who love us to say, you are beautiful in my eyes. And I think the Bruce who learned to think would have written a line that's the learn the Bruce who learned to think the Bruce who learned to feel the learn Bruce who learned to love a wife and a family would write a line that says more like you're so beautiful in my eyes come with me instead of you ain't a beauty but hey you're all right I think you're right I think you're so um good I love that I love that answer Terry if someone wants to reach you what's the best way Oh, come to my website, www.tellmeanotherstories.com. Listen to some stories, see what I'm up to. Invite me to you. I will come online. I will come to where you are. I will go anywhere. There is no place, no people, no things that don't interest me. Reach out. I'll say yes. I love that. I hope you come back on the show. I've had so much fun visiting with you. Uh, Thank you so much. Thanks so much Um, for having me. Is there, I do need to, the other question is, is there anything I should have asked you that I haven't? Um, Is there anything you should have asked me that I haven't? Well, we we talked about, we talked about what my sign requests would be. We talked about my history going to shows. We talked about, um, I don't think so. I think the only thing, the only thing I'm going to leave you with is this. You didn't ask me, but I'm going to give you a bit of advice to the women in the crowd, which is don't bring your pocketbook to shows. That's just a terrible plan. (laughs) Why do you need something to keep track of just, Oh, and here's one more thing for everybody. Ready? Stop watching the shows through your phone. Be there. Excellent advice. All right, Terry, thank you so much for your time. As I said, I I just love to visiting with you. This is so great. Listeners, go get vaccinated, go get boosted, and let's be kind to each other. And remember, each of us has a story and we need to share it. Thank you, Terry. Thank you, listeners. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Thanks, Jesse. Good night. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlessingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter, at setlessingbruce, and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. We have a website, www.setlessingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts, as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Bruce shirts, as well as a Merry Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Settlesting Bruce. The theme for Settlesting Bruce was written by David Rosen 
used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 